We welcome up onto the stage the one, the only, Mr. Ryan Fields. Go for it, dude. Thank you very much, Joe. I think I might get Joe to introduce me every time I go somewhere. So, um, as Joe said, my name's Ryan. I am the children's worker here at the church, and it's my pleasure to be with you tonight. It's actually the first time that I've done a like proper preach is what someone described it to me as the other day. I'm used to prancing around on stage dressed as Robin Hood or getting someone to individually wrap sprouts to make fun out of them. So this is the first time that I'm doing a serious talk. And I'm therefore really grateful that I was given such an easy topic to talk about tonight. Um, because I'm going to be talking about suffering tonight. Um, and I'm really grateful for that one. So thanks, Becca. Thanks for giving me April. I'm really grateful I got this one. And um, just before we go into that, I do want to preface the talk with um, this thing, that, that the dictionary definition of suffering is um, the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. And what that means is that suffering is so personal to each and every one of us. It's so subjective to our own experiences and what we go through, the moments in our lives that shape us, that I'm not here today to try and compare what I've experienced, what you've, comp- what you've experienced. I don't want us to try and trivialise anything that we're going to be talking about tonight because it is so personal to us. Instead, what I'm trying to do is to gear us towards seeing how Jesus suffered, the, the, the suffering that he went through on his road to the cross and how we can view our experiences in the light of that. But to start off with, we're going to read from John 12, 20 to 36. And for a little bit of context, John 11, uh, Jesus sees Lazarus die and be raised from the dead. And then at the start of John 12, he has the moment where he's anointed with the oil from Lazarus and Martha. And then the verses directly in front of this are uh, Jesus arriving in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. So this is set straight in the aftermath of that. You've got all the hubbub and commotion, all the craziness going on as Jesus rides in on a donkey. And verses 20 to 36, it's straight after that. So if you've got a Bible, feel free to turn to it. If you've got your phone, get up your Bible app, whatever it is. But let's read through. I'm going to read him from the NIV for this. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honour the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice from heaven, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to them. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not for mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people towards myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man will be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? 
Then Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. I wonder if we could just pray for a moment before we start. Lord, I thank you for your amazing scripture, the life of Jesus and the moment that he was in that time and the suffering that he felt and the impending suffering that he was going to experience, Lord. I thank you that that led to our saving. In your name, amen. So I'm going to draw out three things from this in particular. All the S's. So we're going with suffering, but we're going to be looking at the seed, the soul, and the solution. So try and get those as your takeaway. If you get nothing else away from today, just remember the seed, the soul, and the solution. So let's start with the seed. Jesus uses it right at the start of that passage to foreshadow his own death, the thing that he was about to experience. Verse 24 says, Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it's never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. Jesus is using that analogy to perfectly foreshadow what's going to happen to him five days later. He's going to be drawn into the ground. He's going to be drawn into that dark place when he dies up on the cross and three days later rise again, like the seed. And I'm not, I'm not much of a gardener. I'm not particularly green-fingered, so I don't really know the particular life cycle of a seed. But from what I, I glean from this and what I learned is that the seed gets drawn into the ground. It gets drawn into that dark place so that it can become rooted on something. The seed effectively has to die in that place. And as it becomes rooted on something, it grows out of the soil and it grows facing the sun. It grows towards the sun. And as it grows, it will produce such amazing fruit. And as that fruit grows and it ripens, it will fall or it will be taken off and it will be reburied somewhere else. It will will have that opportunity to seed again and become rooted again. And as that new rooting happens, the first plant is going to die but it's that constant cycle of death and resurrection as it grows and it produces new fruit, there's new life brought. And as that, as that plant dies, it's just going to keep on going over and over again. That's the same thing that happens in our heart every time that we go through a period of suffering. Every time we go through that place of darkness and being drawn into a place that we don't want to go, that we don't know what we can do in that place. And we, we think we die in that time. A part of our heart might, we feel like a part of our heart might die in that. But we allow ourselves to, if we allow ourselves to become rooted, we can grow out of that and produce new fruit. And we can produce new abundant fruit every time. And that cycle of death and resurrection is going to carry on everywhere we look. Death and resurrection is everywhere we look around us. It's not just happening in our heart, it's happening in the cells in our body. Constantly they die and are rebirthed every day. The seasons, the harvest, we're going through an amazing time of new life now as we see the blossom on the trees grow and plants rise up out of the ground. Death and resurrection is everywhere. And it's going on in our hearts every day as well. Every time we go through a period of not knowing what's coming next, that death and resurrection is happening. And there's this other part to this where Jesus in verse 31 in the message says that the world is in crisis. He, says, he even goes as far as saying that the devil is the ruler of the world in the message translation. And what he's saying there is that the, the soil, the world around him is so full of sin and pain and injustice and things that just absolutely destroy him. The world around him is in crisis. 
that it's no different to the soil of the ground. For, for a seed to take root in the ground, the soil has to be churned up and it has to receive trauma. It has to be broken for that seed to fall in and drop in and become rooted. If not, it just stays on the surface and nothing will happen. The world around us is in crisis today. We, we can see suffering everywhere we look. Like Becca, when you came up earlier and you were talking about you know, people in places of incredibly terrible mental health or you know, you, you're going through pain and, and trauma in your life, suffering is everywhere. The world is in crisis around us and that's what allows us in that time, like the seed, to go in and draw in and become rooted in something. And I want to be rooted in God. I'll be rooted in that. My, some of you might know, but about a month ago now, my family received some shocking news. My, our, our normal was completely flipped turned upside down, and what we thought our life was going to be for the next 10 years was just completely changed like that. Um, and in that, it, it's, in, it's so tough for me because my family aren't Christians. And yet I want to be rooted in God, and I don't know what they're rooted in at the moment, but I want them to be rooted in the same thing that I am. And I want them to become rooted in that soil so that when we grow out of this time later, that we're going to grow into something special and there's going to be new fruit coming out of that time. That's what I want. That's my prayer for my family at the moment. And that's what I want us to do. Come on. So I just want to ask you this now. How is your life being shaken right now? How is your world in crisis at the moment? And let's move on to the soul. Um, Michael Miller, who's the, uh, the lead pastor of Upper Room in Dallas, Texas, he, um, he did an amazing talk on, on the soul. And he, he split the soul up into three things. He split it up into your mind, your will, and your emotions. And he, he explained that the soul, your soul sits alongside your body and your spirit, almost as like the processor. It, it's there in that place to, to work out what your body's experiencing and what your, uh, and what your spirit is experiencing in your, and, and comprehend what your mind, will, and emotions are all going through at that time and I love this I love this period of scripture because Jesus completely shows his humanity in what he says verse 27 now my soul is troubled and what shall I say he he knows exactly what's going to come he knows that he's got to fulfill so many prophecies and die on that cross he knows that he's got to give his life so that we could be set free but in that time his soul is troubled because he's got to work out whether he wants to do it whether he, wants to go as far, whether he wants to go as far in that and go through as much pain as that's going to be and how heartbreaking that is going to be for him. And his soul is troubled and he's crying out, what shall I say in that? And you look, I looked at it first time and I thought, how could he be like that? He's riding in on this massive crest of a wave of Palm Sunday. He's got rows upon rows upon rows of people cheering his name and chanting him. And yet his soul is troubled about... 18 months ago, I, I was in a, a, a place where my, outwardly, I looked like I was on fire. My spirit my, was, was just going. I'd been a Christian for about a year and a half by that point. I think I'd been baptised not long beforehand and I was serving in whatever team I could. I was waving both hands in worship and going crazy and I was doing all of that. I had an amazing job at TLA. I was serving in whatever team I could and my, my spirit outwardly was on fire. But at the same time, I was in a completely different place outside of here. My, I, I was going out most weekends and I was drinking heavily and I, was, I reached the point where I was smoking regularly and I couldn't hold down any form of relationship, be that friendship or other. And I began, I began to search for them in all the wrong places. 
my finances were shot and just everything went wrong for me. And my mind, my will and my emotions suffered because my body and my spirit was so far apart in what they were doing. And there was so much trauma going on between them as my soul tried to process what was going on. And the result of that was that my mental health crashed for about six months. And outwardly, I'd be, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, I'm not bad. But inside, whenever I was alone, I was hurting. And, and inside, I was, I was just doing flips and trying to work out what was next. God, are you really here? God, what can I do? What should I say? What can I say to people when they ask me how I am? What can I say to people when they ask me what's coming next? That took me about six months to work out. And yet, in this scripture, it takes Jesus about six seconds to work out his heart and his soul. And he simply says in verse 27, if we carry it on, he says, my soul is troubled, now what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. In verse 28, then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. That audible voice comes down from heaven and speaks to everybody that is there exactly where they are. It's not just speaking to Jesus. It's not a direct line between Jesus and God on this one. He is speaking to the whole crowd that is there. You know, it says that some of them felt like it was thunder coming down, but that was the, the voice of God coming out and meeting them exactly where their hearts and souls were in that moment. And the solution to it is that God, God will take it from glory to glory. But in that, we've got to glorify his name too. I didn't realise it at the time, but the, how I got myself out of that, that period of my, with my mental health was that I, I looked at each aspect of my life, from my relationships to my friendships to, the, to where I was going to my finances, and I looked at each one and said, where can I glorify you in this, God? And I didn't realise I was using those words at the time, but that's what I was doing. I was looking, where can I get you in this? Where can I be doing this for you? And I'm not there yet. I'm not in the place where I want to be with it. I'm not perfect, and I can't stand up here and say that I've got it all together. Because bad I haven't. <laughs> but, but I looked to turn everything towards the sun, like the seed. I wanted to face the sun as I grew. And that's what I tried to do. And that's all he wants us to do. He wants us to glorify his name in everything that we're doing. So where is it with you now that you can look to glorify him? Where can you glorify his name in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through in your moment right now? What's shaking your soul? So what's the solution to it all? I was, I was looking at it and I was thinking, well, what, what's the solution? And it's really easy. It was a one-word answer and it was Jesus. You look, at, you look at it and the solution every single time, the mic drop moment, the cliched answer is it's Jesus. And it's not a cliche because it means something, it's real. And it just says in verse, in verse 32, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. When he dies on the cross and he's resurrected three days later and then he begins his ascension to heaven, he will draw everyone near him. He'll draw everyone closer to him. And the solution is Jesus. And about when I was planning this talk a little while ago, I watched The Shack. Some of you might have watched the film, some of you might have read the book. And um, for those of you that don't know, the, the context is that there's, this, there's a family and they go on a camping holiday and they lose one of their children. One of their children is taken from them. And the film follows the story of the family as they go through this incredible grieving process. And it focuses in on the dad who reaches a point where he's in so much despair and so much pain because of what he's experienced that 
He's not just willing to walk away from his faith, but he's willing to walk away from his family and his life as a whole. And at that time, that's when God comes and meets him and he has the most amazing encounter with God. And there's this scene in the film where he's... I don't want to give too much away, but I've got, I've got to share it because I just think it's amazing. But he, there's this scene in the film where he's in a kitchen and he's making bread with God. He's cooking something with God. And um, he, he turns around and they sort of start off quite jovial, but then he gets into it and he goes, God, how could you let me go through what I went through? How could you let my family suffer the way that you have? How could you let that pain happen to us? We followed you, we love you, and yet this is what you're doing to us. And God, in the film, um, is, a, is a black woman, and she turns around to him and just so beautifully says, when all you see is your pain, you lose sight of me. When all we see is us, and all we see looking back in the mirror is what is, what is us and what we can do, and we're looking for our solutions to the problems, they ain't going to come. The only way for us to truly reach that solution is to focus all our attention on him and to look at exactly where we can go with him in that moment, where he can take us and what he is going to do for us, what glory he is going to take us to, what next one, he's already glorified, he says it in the scripture, it's true. He's going to take us from glory to glory to glory and we need to look at how we can do that through him. Um, with it as well, in verse 26, he goes on, Jesus says that whoever serves him and recklessly lays down their life for him, whoever follows him wherever he may go, whoever keeps their eyes solely focused on him, the Father will honour. If we attach our focus straight to him and if we train ourselves just to look at him and look at what he's going to do in that moment and what he can help us with and, and we just give everything we've got to him, He's going to honour us in whatever way he can and he's going to honour us every single day. In that discipleship with him as we choose to follow Jesus, when we, it's so cyclical because the heart of discipleship is love and the heart of love is sacrifice. We've got to look at what we can sacrifice in us, whether that's, for me, I need to give up some football time. I need to give up thinking about football all the time and I need to give up thinking about where my mates are today and what, what amazing lads holiday they're going on. I need to sacrifice that time and I need to sacrifice that because I know that he's not in that. He's not, he's not, he's not going to, he's not going to glorify my actions in that. I need to be trained solely focused to him. And so just as we wrap it up, I wonder if the band could start coming up now, if that's all right. Just as we bring this together, the what we're going into now is this time of the passion as, as we look at Jesus' road into Jerusalem and the, the whole story of Easter, that, you know, it's often referred to as the passion. And when you research what passion means, the Latin root of it is pati, P-A-T-I. And that simply means to suffer. As we remember his passion, we need to know that that is completely rooted in suffering. This, the, the passion that he went on, the passion that he went on to save us, to set us free from everything is so deeply entrenched in, in suffering that the same thing goes for us. When we look at what we're passionate about, we're going to have to suffer some things for that. Whether that's giving up our time or giving up friendships, giving up relationships, giving up people that we're surrounding ourselves with or giving up material things. If we want to be passionate about him and be passionate about his journey and his death on the cross, because he gave it all for us, he gave everything for us, then we need to look at what we can give up for him. We need to look at what we can sacrifice for him. 
as you're just going back through it all, you've got the seed and the seed takes root and it grows and it will always face him, that cycle of death and resurrection. Our soul, our mind, will and emotions, that processing unit set inside of us as it processes what goes on around us. And when we look for the solution, the solution is Jesus. Jesus is the seed, Jesus is the soul and Jesus is the solution every single time we look at it. And I just want to ask you this as we, as we go out. Um, I wonder if we could stand actually now, um, uh, if that's all right. Um, we just look at how, we can, how can we, like Jesus, glorify God through our suffering and every, in whatever that suffering is, whatever that sacrifice is that we're going to go through, how can we become so rooted in him and so passionate about him that we're going to glorify God throughout it all? And I don't know where, you, I don't know where each and every one of you are at out there today I don't know what, what, what's going on in your life at the moment but I, I wonder if we I, I know that when I've, when I've needed prayer before and when I needed prayer 18 months ago because of the way my head was at the last thing that I wanted to do was step forward and tell everyone that I was in some form of suffering that, that I was so anxious and that my mental health was such rock bottom that I wanted everyone in this church to know and that was the last thing that I wanted to do and so I'm not going to ask you to step forward today. I'm not going to ask you to come over to the prayer area because that is, I know that that is so painful and so tough to do. But I'm going to ask you to turn around to the people next to you. And I, I, I want you to turn around to them and say, look, will you pray for me? Will you, will you come in and work with me now? And will you, will you glorify God over me now? I just want to ask you to do that. Just turn to the people next to you as the band plays. And if you want to come forward and you want to look at something in your life and look at what you need to die in your life so that it can be resurrected and receive new life, come over to the prayer if you want something specific. But if, if you can't bring yourself to do that, just turn to the people next to you and ask them. Because don't leave here today without getting prayer for it. Don't leave here today thinking that no one's here for you. Because there's someone that's going to be here for you. And we know that's God, but sometimes we need someone next to you to put an arm around your shoulder and tell you that you're loved and tell you that they're here for you and tell you that they're here in every moment in your life. So just turn around to the people next to you and just ask for prayer now. Just do it. And I'll pray, I'll pray over everyone now. But please just do it. So Father God, just come and meet us where we're at now. Come and meet our hearts and our souls right now. Come and meet us in the midst of our suffering and our pain, Lord. And help us look at where we can glorify you again. Look at where we can become rooted in you. Lord, we know you're here with us. We know that when more than two or more of us gather that you are here with us. Lord, so just let your presence be known in this place now. Let your spirit fill every one of us up. In your name I pray. Amen.